Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Cryptid Chat with Yammy. I am your host, Cryptid Chat Yammy. Just Yammy, though, overall. Hi, guys. It has been a minute since I have recorded a podcast episode for a variety of reasons, and I promise I will get to that soon. Today's episode is going to be a short one, so it's just a little, kind of like a little mooch, a little snack that I wanted to throw out um, before I go away for a few days for a trip that I have to take. And again, I'll explain that all later. But I have an order for which I'm going to talk about things today. So let me actually let's stick to my flow chart. Okay, so there's been a lot of changes going on. And I'm sure the last episode you guys listened to, uh, I've probably been saying that a lot. I probably sound like a broken record at this point. There's a lot of life changes going on. There's this and that. Okay, well, here's some more life updates for you that nobody asked for. So I quit my job. Um, I quit my full-time decent paying job because my mental health was deteriorating. I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. And I truly think that nothing is worth your mental and physical health and well-being. Nothing should be above that. And truthfully, it was not good for me at all. Um, it's just... Me being here at home, I, you know, I've been at home basically since I lost my job job back in uh, May of 2020. So like almost a year now going on of working and being from home predominantly when I was always out and about. Uh, So I think that has not helped me also. So I started job hunting and whatnot, and hopefully soon I will be starting a new job where I will be out. Um, Granted, it's not full-time just yet, and hopefully that'll change, but it is a much... It's something I think I'm better suited for. Um, I can bring some magic to guest, wink, wink. Uh, So hopefully I will be able to start that when I come back from uh, my little trip that's coming up. Uh, So yeah, I quit my job. Mental health matters, guys. That's very serious. Okay. Um, all right. Outside of that, what else do we have here? Quit my job, went job hunting. Um, I have an iPhone now. Yay. I have access to Apple Podcasts finally, guys. Thank you, by the way. Huge shout out to anybody that has list has listened through Apple Podcasts and has left a review or commented. You guys are the best. I that was actually one of the first things I did when I got my iPhone. I opened up Apple Podcasts and I searched up my podcast and I you guys are great. Those comments made my day. Thank you so much. Uh, I love the feedback. I love that you guys are enjoying what we do here. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And now I actually have access to it uh, so I can see what's being done. So if you haven't left a message or reviewed on Apple Podcasts, you should do so because now I can see it. Okay. So yes, Uh, thankfully, now that I have a new job and I will be working part time um, and also working part time, still doing my teaching job on the side, that is going to free up my schedule more to finally begin podcasting more consistently again. So when I first started podcasting again, it was during pandemic and I pretty much was stuck at home doing nothing. So I was able to pump out episodes almost weekly. 
um, or biweekly uh, at a point. And I miss doing stuff like that. So I want to get back to doing at least two uh, episodes per month. So biweekly or so episodes. Um, and yeah, I just, I really miss podcasting. I miss connecting with this community. Um, my head has just been everywhere. And it's just because I've been slowly just not going to a good place mentally. And I'm just honest with you guys, truthfully. Um, and it's kind of like isolated me a bit in some things. So I am hoping that now moving to a new environment, um, taking care of myself more, my physical health as well. And also, um, you know, doing what I need to do to help with my mental health, that that will overall help me to thrive and do much better in life. So yay, we love that. Um, So if anyone is wondering um, why I sound extra peppy or if there's anything different in my voice, well, that may or may not be medication. Um, But truthfully, guys, I advocate 100% for mental health. And if you're struggling with anything, you know, um, it's a bold step to move forward and ask for help or ask for assistance. And there's resources out there. Uh, So I encourage you guys to reach out to them, whether it's a psychologist, a counselor, therapist, psychiatrist, whatever you need to do. Um, There is no shame and no stigma here. This is a safe place. And the same way that I'm open with you guys about mine, my mental health and whatnot, know that um, I'm always here if anyone ever wants to chat about anything or when anyone has any questions or anything, feel free to hit me up on the socials. I have an iPhone now. She's fancy and I like getting messages on it. Um, So please message me um, or whatnot. But Hopefully you are all doing well that is listening. <laughs> all right. So today's episode, again, Shishmol. Um, I am literally in like an hour or two going to sleep because I am hopping on a plane tomorrow morning to uh, go across the country to Los Angeles. I have never been to the other side of the country. Unless you count when I lived in Colorado, I guess that kind of counts. I've never been on the West Coast in my life. Why am I going to the West Coast? And why am I traveling without my family for the first time in my life without my fiance? What are you doing? It's because I am going to the BTS concert. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to just pause for a second. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, that's me. It's okay. No shame. Absolutely no shame. So the concert is on December 4th. If I have my math and right, no, heck, heck no. We, I'm coming back December 4th. The concert is on December 2nd. We're arriving December 1st and we're going to be there from the 1st to the 4th. And while we're there, not only are we doing the concert, we're also going to be enjoying LA and the Hollywood area. Um, so that's going to be fun. I'm going to be meeting um, fellow ARMY, so BTS fans, that I've known for, my goodness, we've known each other for months and months now. We all met um, through social media and created like a group chat during like pandemic. And we've all done like Zoom calls and movie nights and this, this and that. And this is the first time we are 
a good chunk of us, I want to say like eight or nine of us are finally meeting up in life, real life, and we're going to be just enjoying LA together. So yay, please wish us safe travels. We're all coming from all over the country, safe travels to and from LA, safe travels while we are there in the concert and being tourists. Um, The big reason why I was okay with doing this trip was while it is a huge concert, um, LA has pretty strict um, restrictions when it comes to the pandemic and handlings and and COVID restrictions. So I feel comfortable enough with those restrictions that were asked for us who were attending the concert and asked for those of us who are visiting LA in general to go. Uh, So you're going to see me with my little mask over there screaming and crying my lungs out and it's going to be a good time. Yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing and I'm very excited about it. Very, very excited for it. So yeah, that being said, now that I will be in California in the Los Angeles area for the first time in my life, I am dedicating today's episode to Los Angeles and the surrounding regions. In today's episode, we're going to focus on the paranormal and the strange locations and infamous points of interest in the shadow of the Hollywood Hills. All right, so let's get this episode started. So we're going to start with some infamous LA Hollywood region haunts. So these are locations that are reported to be haunted, experience paranormal activity, or so I mean it currently or have been. So um, a few of these places are pretty notable. They've definitely been talked about before, but I want to talk about them anyway because um, I want to. And they're famous, so. Um, But yeah, they're in researching. I had a surprisingly large list of options to talk about in today's episode. I did not realize that uh, the area where I was going to be going had uh, such notoriety. I mean, I knew some things, but not this much, apparently. Uh, so I had a list of like eight or 10 options. And I was like, okay, well, that's a lot. Um, let's not, because that episode's going to be too long. So I'm going to do three haunts and then three like strange, interesting um, sort of locations. It's three and three. It's a nice little, you know, little mix. Anyway, let's get this started. First place I want to talk about is known as the Entity House. So this house is located in a suburban neighborhood in Culver City. So the Culver City region of Los Angeles. It was a is a small house that was once home to a single mother by the name of Doris Bither. She was a single mother who struggled with some health issues, some past substance abuse issues and things like that um, in the 1970s when she lived there with her four sons. And this house became known because of the events that would take place affecting Doris herself during her time there. So eventually Doris would come into contact with two with a parapsychologist and his uh, like assistant in 1974 um, 
And basically what ends up happening is that she invites them over and she lets them know that she has been experiencing some paranormal activity. And she claimed that she had some violent encounters with entities, several entities in her home. And even so she was violently attacked and even assaulted by these entities. So obviously these are pretty serious claims and uh, the team decided, the two of them decided to take on and investigate um, the home and what's going on there. So through a period of 10 weeks, they investigated the home. They looked into Doris's past history for any potential things that could explain the claims that she had. So, you know, looking for those kind of, I guess, rational explanations or or things that could affect um, what is being claimed, I, I guess, if you will. Uh, so, you know, they looked into the fact that, for example, she supposedly suffered from occasional sleep paralysis episodes. So that could potentially explain the claim that she had about that really violent encounter. Um, and uh, she had an, a estranged relationship with the kids, with her kids. So it wasn't a very good relationship. She had some past traumatic history in her childhood. So there was a lot of stuff that they looked into, but not just that. They also looked into potential eyewitnesses to some of her claims or some of the paranormal activity that took place in the home. So uh, some of these witnesses included extended family that claimed that when they visited the homes, they experienced like strange feelings or even witnessed um, occurrences like uh, Doris being physically attacked at one point and things like that. So yeah, really crazy. Um, the men themselves, the team during their time there, so over the period of 10 weeks, they did uh, recount that they experienced poltergeist-like activity. So they recounted that they witnessed like lights flickering on and off, uh, objects that would fall from the shelves or doors that would open by themselves, for example, cold spots in the home, uh, strange smells. Um, at one point, uh, there were pictures taken and there were like orbs or like strange light trails on the photographs. Uh, so yeah, a lot of stuff uh, that was uh, notated through their time there. At one point in time, um, there were dozens of people basically called and over this course of the investigation participated in and aided with the investigation. And basically, the conclusion that they came up with is still debated to this day. So they concluded that there was some type of, some kind of paranormal activity that was taking place in the home. Um, but again, people have looked back at their things and, you know, that it's not sure if that was like a, a conclusive sort of um, conclusion to come up with. But um, the name of the, so the the house, the entity house is, is known by that name because um, among the spirits and entities that uh, Doris claimed resided in the home, uh, the most notable was one that she called specifically the entity. And this was a male looking humanoid um, that appeared to have no face and it was like large and muscular, for example. And that eventually led to 
the name of the house. Um, unfortunately for Doris, um, who experienced, seemed to be the one experiencing all this torment, when she and her family eventually moved from the home, the torment apparently followed her and it left the home completely. So this house is still there to this day and has not reported any kind of paranormal activity since. So it seems whatever was there clung or, or whatever to them and went with her. Uh, eventually, Doris did die in 1995. Uh, so sadly for her, um, not a very good ending. Eventually, the story of the haunts and her torment was turned into a book and eventually a movie that came out in 1982. Um, and that's, it was also titled The Entity. So that's where that comes from. But yeah, um, I saw pictures of the home. It's actually a really cute little bungalow, little tiny thing, actually very cute. Um, nothing that I would suspect would be incredibly haunted um, or well, excuse me. Well, it's not haunted anymore, but was the site of something like that, you know. Um, it's a cute little house now. But yeah, that is the Entity House. Yes. I have not seen the movie and I have not read the book. Um, it has, you know, sensitive subject matter. Uh, so I don't think I will, uh, but I know of it. So if you know what I'm talking about, then now you know this is ours. Okay. Moving forward, our next haunt spot is very well known in the Hollywood region because it is the final resting place of many of Hollywood's rich, famous, and glamorous. I am talking about the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. So this cemetery was founded in 1899 and is still operational to this day. It is actually one of the oldest cemeteries in the state of California as well. It's located on about 50 acres of land. It houses a museum, a funeral home. They do events throughout the year on the property. And of course, it is a touristic spot. So guests can come and tour the grounds. They have like maps to, to show you like uh, specific like um, famous tombs that you can visit um, during your time there. Very pretty in all the photos that I saw. Glamorous as you would imagine. Um, and being the resting place in a cemetery, uh, there's some reported activity, not surprisingly so. So apparently visitors to the cemetery have reported various paranormal encounters. There have been reports of apparitions seen throughout the land, so full body apparitions. There have been cold spots, uh, voices heard, um, there's also, most notably, um, the sound of crying, of a woman crying. So there's a, it's believed to be linked to this woman, uh, Virginia, Virginia Rappé, Rappé, sorry if I butchered that. Names are not good. And y'all know I'm not good with them. <laughs> um, so Virginia died in 1921 at 26 years old after she had attended a fancy party. She suddenly became very ill and eventually succumbed um, to her illness in the days that were to come after. 
it's her death was uh, to some people a little suspicious and the actor's uh, party that uh, she attended. Some people linked him to her death and yeah, it's just there's a whole bunch of stuff there. But anyway, um, cold spots are supposedly felt around her tombstone and the figure of a young crying woman is said to be seen around the tomb or around the lake and heard, of course, crying, um, which is a wonderful thing to encounter, I'm sure. And uh, so of some of the some of the other apparitions that are seen around, um, some of them have been described as dressed in like period style clothing from like the 20s, 30s, 50s, etc. Um, just kind of wandering about, which is really fun. I can't imagine. Um, I am not sure if I'll be visiting any of the places that I list today. This is actually a place that could be visited. Um, I have visited a cemetery before. Um, I don't know if I want to this particular time. But if I do happen to go, I'll make sure to take pictures for you guys. So, Hollywood Forever Cemetery. And it does have quite a few notable names in there. I was surprised. I'm like, oh, those are pretty cool. Um, but yeah. Our next haunt spot is probably the most notoriously known, as in, like, it is the symbol of Hollywood itself. And I'm talking about the Hollywood sign. So, the, again, the symbol of Hollywood. The Hollywood sign that was built in 1923. It once said Hollywood land and was actually built as part of a high-scale housing development that was in that region. Um, it wasn't meant to be up forever, but then eventually ended up being up there forever as it has been. Um, it looks over the LA area and has inspired many people to come and try to make their stardom dreams come true. Many an actor, musician, and beyond come to LA with the hopes of becoming famous. And this sim this sign has become a symbol of that. Um, it is off limits to the public. Please don't try and go up there. Um, but the area is kind of accessible to like there's a bunch of trails around it um, and there's different like observation points on hills that you can see the sign um, if you wanted to see it but the symbol actually has a very tragic background which is tied to a young woman by the name of peg let me think about this last name peg and whistle yeah, I think that's right. Peg and Whistle. Yeah. So, Peg, I'm just going to say by her first name. She was a 24-year-old aspiring actress. So, she had grown up with theater and whatnot and decided to move to LA to pursue that. Um, she had a role in like a small movie, in a, in a movie, um, but Outside of that, she didn't really have a lot of promising, she didn't have a lot of prospects and she became at one point very frustrated. Um, she might have been dealing, there's people that suspect she was dealing with like mental health issues as well. Um, and at one point, 
um, her contract was canceled in 1932. So she was in a, in a, she was in a, like in a dark place. It didn't seem very hopeful for her, unfortunately. And one day she became very distressed. Um, it's speculated perhaps she was intoxicated. She left her uncle's home where she was staying at for the time. And she made her way over to the Hollywood land sign. And she climbed up the letter H, accessing it via a like workman's ladder on the sign. And she climbed, it's estimated the letters are anywhere between 45 to maybe 50 feet uh, tall each. And she climbed and unfortunately jumped to her death. And about two days later, her body was found by somebody and along uh, among her belongings was a suicide note, unfortunately. Um, so very tragic, very tragic. Um, and her, her story is so deeply entwined with the Hollywood sign because it basically became a, it, again, it, it was... It was attached to it and still is to this day. Um, but the reason that I include this story is because supposedly since her, you know, um, untimely death um, back in the, in the 30s, there has since then been the appearance of a young woman that people describe to have blonde hair in 1930s style clothing. Sometimes she's veiled. Um, I think she's, I think that she's described like as like wearing white, but again, period style clothing. And she's often supposedly seen by hikers and tourists alike around the sign and the Griffith Park trails in the Hills area around where her body was found. Um, some people describe her like as just a full body apparition. Um, there have been reports of like her just kind of being there. Reports of her um, actually like chasing people. So there's just a lot of different stories tied with uh, this woman. And then again, it's believed that her apparition, that the apparition that is seen is potentially Peg um, and Whistle. So because it's very similar to what's described. And not only that, but something else that's reported in the area is like this overwhelming smell of like gardenias, which is supposedly um, Peg's, one of Peg's favorite like fragrance or scents to wear. Um, so there's that. And uh, people describe um, feeling watched or followed by something, just strange overall feelings. Um, the it's worth noting that the H that, you know, where she passed away uh, from, that H sign actually fell over once, um, not too long after she passed away. And of course, that people were like, oh, well, it has to be her ghost or this is so like, it's just an interesting fact um, that did happen. And I was looking into like, um, so the Griffith, the Griffith trails uh connect to like griffith park which is if you know anything about la there's like uh, the the griffith observatory that really pretty observatory building like on a hill it's not that far and it's a really good vantage point to the sign to see it 
um, in those surrounding areas of hills and stuff like that, um, supposedly it's not incredibly uncommon to sometimes find bodies and body parts, which is a disturbing fact to um, encounter. And I hope to never have an experience like that. But this is, again, interesting thing, I guess, to note. Um, I will probably be trying to visit Griffith Observatory. So I'll take some pictures of the sign and stuff for you guys, I'm sure. Um, and probably not going to be hiking around the trails because I don't feel like being snuck up on by a ghost um, or not. But yes, that is the folk. There's a lot of legend tied to it. Um, but I did read a few um, notable like accounts of people's experiences. So um, again, all these alleged haunts are tied, I would say, deeply to folk, to local lore and whatnot. Um, but there's also, um, I guess, like, there's also documented things to some of these. So worth noting, whatnot. So those are some spooky spookies uh, that I found from LA. There's a lot more. So some notable uh, mentions were the uh, the Roosevelt Hotel. Um, I'm trying to think of other places. It was the Linda Vista Ho um, Hospital, which is now actually been converted into a retirement home, um, interestingly enough. Uh, the Hollywood Wax Museum, I think, was another one. And the Comedy Shop, uh, Houdini's House, of course, the Queen Mary. And I wanted to talk about the Queen Mary, but I feel like she deserves her own episode. Um, yeah, there's a lot of supposed haunts um, in the L.A. area. So if you're ever looking for some spooky spookies, it's a pretty good place to look. And I didn't realize, so. There's the, there's your, your haunt haunts. All right. Sorry. I was checking my phone. My group chat is popping off. Everyone's starting to arrive in uh, Los Angeles and checking into our hotels and stuff like that. So I was like, oh God, let me check and make sure I, there's not something I should know. All right. Deep breaths. Let's do this. So now that we talked about the areas and some regions that have, um, some places that are tied with like paranormal activity. I wanted to talk about some places that are tied to like infamous, strange, or like crime related um, stories, for example. So the first one that I wanted to bring up is something is one particular that I hadn't heard of before. Uh, so I thought it was very interesting to note. And this is the Beverly Hills Bermuda Triangle. So located between North Linden Drive and North Witter Drive is a corner section of road that has basically a history of strange happenings, anything from strange accidents, murder, and more that have occurred in this area dating from around 1946 to even more recent times. Um, so in 1946, there was a, um, a, was it? he was a well-known rich filmmaker and also a veteran pilot who was flying in his new small plane. Uh, basically, what happened, he crashed it. Um, 
there appeared to be some sort of engine issue and he tried to uh, bring it down in like a in like a country club golf course area and some reason he couldn't so it ended up actually like hitting a few of the houses on the street and then landing on the spot um he didn't die which is great um but he did end up sustaining serious injuries that he had for basically the rest of his life um so that was the first known sort of like weird or like tragic thing connected to this particular um this particular spot and not too long after that in 1947 about a year later the famous mobster bugsy siegel was actually killed in his girlfriend's home again on the street um it was an unknown assailant opened fire into the house and did kill him so that happened then in 1966 so fast forward a little bit there were two men uh they were musicians a part of a band i believe uh were driving their corvette they were kind of speedy speedy and basically they ended up hitting a parked car on that same area it caused a really bad crash the driver ended up being comatose and then eventually again nobody died but uh did end up being partially paralyzed and suffering from those effects for the rest of his life as well so again another pretty tragic i mean there's a lot of rough things that have happened here i guess then really fast forward to 2010 this one is wild so there was a well-known publicist who was driving in this region and she was shot through her car like somebody shot into her car that didn't kill her but it eventually but that led to her crashing her car into another car and that did kill her unfortunately and the shooter today is still unknown um, and that was only about a block away from this particular location. So a lot of tragic occurrences that have happened in this area uh, basically led locals to, you know, giving it this notoriety that it has and giving it the nickname of the Bermuda Hills, uh, excuse me, Bermuda Hills, the Beverly Hills Bermuda Triangle. Um, and, you know, it could be coincidental. You know, there are places that do have um a lot of accidents that happen like literally like not even a mile away from my house there's like this little intersection where literally accidents happen all the time all the time um and i just think it's because people are terrible drivers and they should be a light there but you know so it could be coincidental that you know strange things have happened that you know these kind of things have happened in this area or there could be that maybe that perhaps there's some thing affecting that region. Maybe there's some kind of dark energy forces at play in this area for some reason that seem to attract tragedy. Who knows? And it's been speculated um, the variety of things for that. Um, according to some reports that I read, um, psychics, mediums, and clairvoyants have investigated this region and have described getting strange vibes and visions um, in this particular area. They say it feels very sad. There's a lot of anger, confusion, and suffering that is associated with this um, spot. Um, but the reasons why are unknown. So just remains sort of a mystery.
And yeah, that's there. Uh, should you for some reason want to visit this area? I don't know if I would per se want to, but it's there. The next place that we're going to be talking about is probably um, more well-known, especially in more recent times, um, because there has been um, a bit more of a focus on this with a documentary that Netflix threw out not too long ago. Um, and so I'm talking about the Cecil Hotel, or what was formerly known as the Cecil Hotel, which was opened in 1924. The Cecil Hotel has a pretty long and complicated history. Um, it was originally created as a luxury hotel. Eventually, over the years, it turned into like a struggling, low-cost hotel apartment sort of setup. Um, it has a history of a lot of things happening here, so violent acts, suicides, murders, drug-related um, crimes, etc., have taken place um, in the Cecil Hotel. So there's already like a lot going on there. Um, and then it is located not too far away from uh, the infamous Skid Row section of LA. Um, so it's just a lot going on in this, this hotel and area. At one point, it was the home or temporary home, if you will, of two different serial killers. So we had Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, that um, stayed there and potentially even committed some of his crimes while he stayed there and maybe even disposed of, of some of his stuff while staying in the Cecil. Um, and then eventually, uh, Australian serial killer Jack Unterweger, Unterweger um, also um, stayed there. So, very interesting um, little fact there. Eventually, it rebranded in the 2000s um, in an attempt to kind of bounce back from its sort of dark history. It wanted, they wanted to appeal to, you know, young visitors and tourists and offer, you know, a low budget, uh, nice sort of option to people that were staying in the LA area. And unfortunately, to this day, it, that's, rebranding, trying to bounce back, um, was, yeah, that, that didn't really go very well. Um, eventually the Cecil Hotel, or as it was known as a stay on Main, um, eventually became, um, synonymous with the tragic disappearance and then later death of a Canadian student by the name of Lisa Lamb, um, who, so there's, man, this, this case, I had heard about it and it to this day still rubs me wrong, um, for a variety of reasons. And I'm, I'm would like to probably dive into it doing like an episode, like a, a crime chat episode on it. Um, but long story short, Elisa Lamb was there traveling by herself. Um, she stayed at the stay on main section of the hotel, um, she was there for a few days and then she was reported missing. Uh, she went missing. And then I think it was weeks later after she went missing that her body was eventually discovered 
in the in one of the hotel's rooftop uh, water tanks, sealed water tanks, like closed water tanks. Um, her body was found there, um, which is very tragic. Um, her death was ruled as an accidental drowning, and that has been debated, disputed off the wazoo like crazy, uh, specifically because some of Elisa's, well, what we know as Elisa's last moments were captured by the elevator uh, video, and that elevator footage has become very famous um, and attracted a lot of people, um, different speculations as to what happened to her. I hate watching this footage, and I, if I can avoid it, I avoid it because there's just something so eerie and creepy about it that I really don't like. Um, if you want to watch it, uh, it's all over YouTube, I'm sure. Uh, again, Netflix has a, doc a really good documentary about it, about what happened here. Um, but yeah, do not like watching that at all. Um, and that footage, though, led to speculation that perhaps the hotel has some sort of sinister, dark energy at play um, with its history, basically, um, not helping that. Um, and it's worth noting that, I think it was in 2020, 2020, 2021, forget, maybe it was Halloween 2020. I think it was Halloween 2020. Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures um, went and investigated the Cecil Hotel. He's, I think, been the only paranormal investigator that has um, had access to the Cecil um, to investigate it. So, yeah, there's that. Um, I think it is currently still... Um, I think it's currently still off limits to the public. Um, and I'm not sure that there's exact plans on what to do with that. I could be wrong. Um, but I do know that it's not open to the public as of now. Okay. And the last place we're going to talk about, because I've got to go to bed, um, is the Limert or Limert, um, Lie. Mert Park neighborhood. And the reason I'm going to talk about this particular section of Los Angeles, this neighborhood, which is, I mean, what it is now is not what it was back then. Um, but this area is synonymous with another um, big uh, true crime sort of story um, that is, I mean, if I say the name, you guys will know exactly what I'm talking about. So let me just get to it. So on a vacant lot west of South Norton Avenue in the neighborhood of Limert Park, on January 15th of 1947, the naked, mutilated, and murdered body of a young, aspiring actress named Elizabeth Short was discovered, eventually known as the Black Dahlia. So that name is very synonymous with true crime. Um, it is probably one of the most um, famous unsolved cases. Um, it is unknown to this day who killed her, what exactly, um, a, what, what, if, what happened. Um, we know uh, from the autopsy, you know, what, how she died and the manners of death, um, 
but exactly what led to, we, we don't know, and we may never know. Um, but um, Elizabeth Short was found, um, her body was dumped in this vacant lot, pretty much plainly in the open for somebody to discover her. Her body was severed at the waist, was drained of blood. Um, it was believed that her killer probably washed the body. Um, she, her mouth was cut from ear to ear, so giving it kind of like a smile. Uh, she had different lacerations on her body in different places. And, um, she, it appeared like she was, um, she was probably, um, like bludgeoned, um, she had like blows to her face and head as well. And ultimately the, um, her body was posed and laid there to be discovered. So the cause of death, uh, according to the opsopsy was listed as hemorrhaging from the lacerations on her face and due to the shock of receiving the blows to her face and head essentially. Um, and, it's worth noting that the manner of which she was dismembered was pretty surgical and precision, which has led many to believe perhaps it was somebody with medical experience or knowledge of somehow. So, again, it is not known who killed Elizabeth Short. Um, and to this day, many suspects have been posed. Many people have come out accusing people or saying they did it and whatnot. And they were like letters and this, this and that. But there's just, it's not known really who did this. Um, and now this neighborhood is not like what it was before. Back then it was still vastly being developed. Um, but it was the site of what is known as one of the most infamous now true crime um, unsolved stories so yep that's that's it so for you try you you try for you true crime enthusiasts there you go there are some points of interest um that i suppose you could visit um if you wanted to um if that piques your interest um safely please don't ever go to places that you shouldn't or are off limits i'm not ever advocating for that so don't do it all right guys so we are at the end of our episode Thank you so much for listening to this small little tidbit episode talking about a little bit about Los Angeles and the Hollywood areas around it. Um, some of the spooky places and places of intrigue. Um, thank you guys again for always listening and supporting what we do here at Cryptid Chat. Um, I'm hoping and looking forward to more content that comes out, looking forward to doing interviews and stuff again now that we've got a little bit more time. So uh, keep an eye out for any updates. Um, I'm hoping again during my trip, if I visit some of these places listed today in our episode, I'll make sure to take pictures and maybe some video as well to upload on our Instagram. Um, but yeah, there's looking forward to the future. The future is a lot brighter. And I think this trip will be good, a good little vacation to clear the mind, have fun, and then come back and get things together, you know? Uh, so I need to go to bed. I need to wake up really soon because uh, I has a uh, early morning flight to catch. Um, but before I leave, I want to say a huge shout out to the Infinite 
rabbit hole podcast. So please, please, please give them love and support. Uh, recently, they had me on um, again. So we did a we did a few weeks ago. It was an episode on like different strange sounds, and um, we did a bonus like some bonus content after that uh, for their Patreon. And they released that recently to the public. So you can go and listen to that extended portion of the podcast episode. And it is out now. So please go again, Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. Go listen, love it. It was a great episode, a great time with the guys there. And I look forward to um, hanging out with them again sometime soon and chatting about other stuff. But yeah, go go do so. Um, big shout out to all uh, Cryptid uh, content creators and beyond. I know CryptidCon was recently. Wish I would, would have been able to gone, but uh, yeah. Hopefully next year. We'll see. Um, so big shout out to everybody that went there. Keep creating, guys. Um, other than that, stay safe as always. And Stick around for some more content to come soon. Bye. Ugh. Yeah, I have allergies. That's my nose. That's my schnoot. Okay. I'm like half debating whether I'm going to take a Benadryl tonight because I feel like I should just go night night on the plane. There's like part of me that wants to go to sleep on the plane and then the other part of me that is like you should take this time to make sure that you know the BTS fan chant well so that during this concert everyone around you is not is chanting and you're not just standing there in your nosebleed section seating being like what is going on no you need to get your stuff together okay you know what as a matter of fact we're going to do this right now I'm bored let's look at BTS fan chant order all right, y'all gonna learn today. Okay, so are you ready? Okay, we're gonna start with Kim Nam Joon, Kim Sok Jin, Min Yoongi, Jung Ho Sok, Park Jimin, Kim Taeyeon, Jeon Jungkook, BTS. And you put it all together, and it's like that chant so it's all the seven members names and they're like order so leader and then followed by oldest to youngest and they say that fan chant like randomly um attached to certain songs at specific times um and people scream it like really really damn loud like really loud um yeah i need to practice my korean pronunciation because i probably said it terribly and i know them but not like actually know them but you know what i mean but yeah I'm gonna shut up now. I need to go to bed. What am I doing? Go to bed.